So if you'll turn with me and if you brought your Bibles, how many of you brought your Bibles to church this morning? Praise the Lord. I love Brother Brandon just put it up with a fire there like that, like that. That's good. That's good. We've got to be fired up about the Word of God, that it is, it is life and it is an active transforming Word. Hallelujah. Living Word of God. If you open your Bibles with me this morning to Acts chapter number 7, and we're going to continue a little from where we left off last week, looking at the Spirit of God. Again, the importance of the Holy Spirit in our lives, how we so need Him, how the Word makes clear that He is a key player in our lives in these days and times. In Acts chapter number 7, and uh, in Acts chapter 7 here, we see that Stephen uh, was, was uh, a man filled with the Holy Spirit of God. And he began a sermon. He began to preach to the chief priests and scribes. You know, and sometimes we say, you know, as, uh, as uh, people become uh, born again and into the kingdom... They think it's so wonderful if I could be a preacher, if I could be in the, you know, and, and there's a, if, if God has called you to, we're all called to share the gospel of Christ. In a sense, we are all preachers. In a sense, we're all lighthouses for the Lord. To, our lives need to be a living testimony for the Lord. But there are those that are called to preach, those that are called to specific offices. And sometimes people think that being a preacher is so wonderful. Well, listen, when you were a preacher in the New Testament, you had to be uh, know that you were called because there was persecution coming to you, straight in the face, right at you. And so um, there weren't many that were volunteering to be preachers in those days, but they were all volunteering to be witnesses, living epistles for Christ. So Stephen was a man filled with the Holy Spirit, and he began to preach and there was around him the council, the Sanhedrin, the, those who are the religious leaders were there with the people, and they weren't liking Stephen too much. But Stephen was preaching the word of God boldly because he was filled with the Holy Spirit. And as we have been saying, when the Holy Spirit comes, which God wants us, desires us to be, uh, to take, to embrace, God wants us to embrace the Holy Spirit in our lives, then he comes to give us boldness, holy courage, holy boldness, that we are not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to all who believe. The word of God has the power to transform a life from darkness to light, from unbelief to faith in Christ. That is a miracle. That is a power that is supernatural. It is. It's a supernatural transformation. That's why it says, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation to whosoever shall believe. And so uh, Stephen was preaching a sermon here, preaching the word of God. And in, and in verse number 38, if we can jump to verse number 38, he says, this is the one who was in the congregation in the wilderness, Moses, speaking of Moses, in the congregation, 
God always wants a congregation, a group of people gathered to come together to have faith and belief in his name where we can be built up together, encouraged together. We see that throughout the word of God. God calls a people to come together in the name, in his name, in the name of Jesus, that we might be edified, built up, encouraging one another, equipping one another. And so he says, this is the one who was in the congregation in the wilderness together with the angel who was speaking to him on Mount Sinai and who was with our fathers and he received living oracles to pass on to you. The word of God is always to go, to be to be flowing out into the lives of people because the word shall not return void, right? And as we read this morning, Jesus says this voice didn't come for me, it came for you to those who have ears to hear. And so God, in the midst of his people, brings forth his word so that it can go to the congregation, to all of us to believe. And he says in verse 39, And our fathers were unwilling, unwilling. Oh, God wants us to, to have a willing heart, a willing ear to hear what saith the Lord. Amen. If God, the creator of heaven and earth, desires to speak to us, it is his desire. We didn't go knocking on his door saying, saying, if you're there, will you speak to us? God speaks to us and says, will you hear what I, will you open your ears and hear? God is knocking on our door. We're not knocking on God's door. He's knocking on our door for God first loved us. And so God continually knocks on the doors of hearts of people, of men and women, and says, will you give me ear? Will you open up to hear what I have to say to you? And if you're willing to hear the word of God, I'm telling you, the word of God will transform your life. Change it if you you open up to hear it and receive it in your heart. But there are those who were unwilling to hear the words of God that was life that would give them a transformation, that would bring power and change, would bring a greater love, a true love for God in their lives. But it says they were unwilling to be obedient to him, but repudiated him in their hearts and turned back to Egypt. God wants hearts that will see him. Because when you hear the word of God, you're hearing a message of love. That God wants you to come so that he can clean you up and bring you into eternal life with him where he's prepared a place for you. This is great, wonderful news. But these people were unwilling to hear and they hardened their hearts. God, it looks at your heart. It's your heart that is the key. That's, that's the thing, your heart. Your heart. Is your heart willing to fall in love with God? Is your heart willing to know more about Jesus? Is your heart willing to know the truth of your Father God that loves you? If your heart is willing, God, listen, if your heart is willing, God will pour into your heart that truth that will set you free and open your eyes to the depths and width and height and breadth and all that of God's love that we can't comprehend. God was so willing to pour into these people's lives, but they were unwilling, it says. They were unwilling. And in verse number 48, However, the Most High does not dwell in houses made by human hands. 
You know, they were always thinking that it was all about their buildings and their structures. And, and God is not concerned about living inside a building. God wants to live inside you. You. You are his creation. He formed you. He fashioned you. No man can get the glory for your life. For being who you are, no man or woman can get the glory. Not your mother, not your father. We love the mother, our mothers and father. At least we should love our mothers and fathers. But they don't get the glory for who you are. God gets the glory for who you are. He is your creator. He formed you and fashioned you in the womb. Your mother was a vessel that God brought used to bring you into this life. So you need to honor your mother, be thankful for your mother and, and, and for your father. But the glory goes to God who is the, your creator, formed you and fashioned you in the womb. Because he goes on to say, Peter's preaching here, God says, heaven's my throne, the earth is my footstool. What can man build for me? We can't build God a house that God will say, whoopee, that was really good. I never thought of that. No. There's no, God, God, God wants us to get together in a place that we can worship Him. But it isn't a place, it's, it's the, we are the dwelling place of the Most High. And in verse number 51, Stephen goes on, he's preaching his sermon. This is going to be Stephen's last sermon that he'll ever preach on the face of the earth. First and last. And it says here, he says to them, You men who are stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears, they were not willing to bend in any way, shape, or form to give place to the Word of God. Huh? Praise the Lord. And he says, and are always, listen to this verse here, are always resisting, always resisting, always resisting, what? The Holy, who? Not what, who? The Holy Spirit. Love, love doesn't expect resistance. If I go to hug my wife, do I expect resistance pushing away? Don't hug me, don't touch me. Well, if she doesn't if she's angry or doesn't like me, she may do that, but that uh, she doesn't do that. I'm not saying she does that. She never does. She never will. Praise the Lord. But love doesn't expect resistance. Love expects a, a moving forward towards a, a yes, embrace me. And this is what God's love expects from His creation, His people. He expects, when He reaches out His arms of love, He expects us to come to Him that He may embrace us. Not draw back in fear. Not resist to say, no, I'm, I'm greater, I don't need this stuff. Love doesn't want resistance. Love wants acceptance. Love wants a submission a willingness to come into the love and embrace. 
But here Stephen is telling these religious leaders, these are the council, the Sanhedrin, they're out there listening to him, religious leaders who think they're better than Stephen, who think they know more about God than Stephen does. They think that they're the only ones that got it right with God. But Stephen was filled with the Holy Ghost, filled with the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit gave him comfort. That word means strengthening, boldness, courage. And so in the power and anointing of the Spirit of God, Stephen was speaking truth to these men that they may turn and be repentant and come to the open to the love of God. But he says, you're always resisting the Holy Spirit. They were talking about their fathers going back and back a ways that our fathers were this and Moses was this and, and all that. He says, you were always resisting the Holy Spirit. So who is the one that is at work in the world that draws men to Jesus? It is the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit draws us to Jesus and if we are willing willing to be drawn by the power of the Holy Spirit and open our ears to the Word of God. As we hear the Word of God, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. But it is the Holy Spirit that draws the hearts of men to Jesus that they may hear Him. Jesus reveals the Father to us and the working of the Holy Spirit in us is the one who he remains with us to bring to remembrance, Jesus said, everything that I have said, everything that I taught you, and he will teach you more. God has such great plans for everyone, but some are unwilling, unwilling, and it's all about the heart, a willing heart. Do you have a willing heart for the Lord? Are you, is your heart willing to let allow God to love you? Is your heart willing to learn more about God, to hear His words of truth? If your heart is willing, you're in the greatest place you could ever be. If your heart is shut to God, that is sad. It's a terrible place to be. But open our heart. Open your hearts to God's Word, to His love, to the working of His Holy Spirit. Don't resist. The Bible makes clear that the Holy Spirit is a person and an individual. And here it's very clear, Stephen says you always resist the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a person, a third person of the Trinity, who is at work trying to, to reach you, trying to open you up. And so he can be resisted. He's all-powerful, he's almighty. If he wanted to, he could open you up. But love doesn't force people to love. I can't force someone to love me. That's not true love, is it? I can force someone to obey me, and they become a slave, they become a prisoner, but they're not going to love me because if I have a stronger, if I am more powerful than someone, I can force them to do things that, that and call it love, but that's not true love, is it? So God, although He's all-powerful, will never force you to love Him. God wants you to love Him willingly of your own choosing, of your own accord. And that is the great power that God gives to every individual. The power to make a decision to choose Him. Because when you choose Him, it's true love. And when you choose Him, God opens you up and you see the depth of, of that God is love. And so the power of God doesn't force anyone. The power of God doesn't make anyone a robot. 
I will love you, Lord, I will love you. God doesn't make robots. He doesn't want robots. God wants people who will call him Abba, Father, Daddy, and run to him. And just and just like a child, run to him, Abba, Father, Daddy. And embrace him and let God embrace him. Because as we saw in Acts chapter 5, we don't have to go there with Ananias and Sapphira. There, there it says that, that Ananias and Sapphira, it says they tempted the Holy Spirit. They lied to the Holy Spirit. Here it says they resisted the Holy Spirit. You know the word of God in Ephesians 2. It says that, that the Holy Spirit can be grieved. Meaning there's feelings. He has feelings. The Holy Spirit of God, God has feelings, has emotions. Because we were created in the image of God and we have emotions. God is, has emotions. God gets angry. God, when Jesus was in the, was in the, was uh, there at the temple and he drove out the money changers, he, there was emotion with that. Let me tell you, he was emotional because he said, you have made my father's house a den of thieves. Get out of here. That was emotion. Right? When Jesus wept, he was standing down looking at Jerusalem. He said, oh, if only you would have heard the words and, and repented, peace would be upon you. But you refused and he wept. Jesus wept. Jesus showed emotion. There's, you look at the Word of God, you'll see that Jesus showed emotion. There's nothing wrong with weeping. And the big lie is that men don't cry. Baloney. Robots don't cry. I'm not talking about crying all the time, but there's times when, 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 when tears will be shed. Emotions are good because God created us in His image. But we don't live by emotions. We live by the Word of God. But things in life move us. The Word of God tells us to mourn with those who mourn, weep with those who weep, laugh with those who laugh, rejoice. And, and so there's a whole range of emotions that, that we can experience as we live life. But the Holy Spirit has emotions also. He can be grieved. Just like Jesus had emotions, they're all the same. Father, Son, Holy Spirit are the same. It is not that Jesus has emotions and the Holy Spirit is emotionless. And it's not that Jesus has emotions and Father God is emotionless. No. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, one and the same, all have emotions that they're moved. And so the Holy Spirit, it says, can be grieved. Why can he be grieved? Because his desire is to bring you into a deeper relationship with Jesus. To get you to know the Son of God, the Lamb of God, our Savior and Redeemer, the living Word of God. It is the Holy Spirit's work to reveal him, illuminate him to us as we listen to the Word, receive the Word of God. The Holy Spirit brings illumination in our spiritual man to that. And the Holy Spirit gets us through the Word to see the wonders of Father God. And so he can't be resisted. That's why Jesus says that, that if you blaspheme the Son of Man, you may be forgiven, which I'm not saying we should do that. But he says anyone who blasphemes the power, the working of the Holy Spirit, that will never be forgiven. Because the Holy Spirit is a deep working in everyone's heart to bring you to Jesus. He's done, he does everything possible to turn your heart and mind and soul to the living Son of God, Jesus, that you may be saved. 
Salvation comes through Jesus. And what about it says, don't quench. Don't quench the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes with a zeal and an excitement to, to let you know He lives. He lives. Jesus lives. He's real. And there's a power that I want to bring into your life. Don't quench Him. Don't quench that. Because He can be quenched. And it says that He brings us into fellowship. And so here, Stephen is telling them, you always resist the Holy Spirit. If only, if only they would stop resisting and submit to God. No one likes that word, submission. But submission is a good thing. It's a good thing. We don't submit to a dictator. We don't submit to someone who's abusing us. We don't submit to someone who's beating us. But we do submit to someone who loves us. And that's a great submission. I submit to my life. Well, my wife, I know she loves me. She submits to me, not because I'm a tyrannical leader, but because I'm her husband. I love her. I care about her. So love wants submission, and submission is a good thing. And it says in verse number 54, Oh, Peter Stephen, filled with the Holy Ghost, is trying to reach the hearts of these men, and they were resisting. And when they heard these things, they were cut to their they were cut to their hearts, and out of the heart, out of the heart flows flows all the issues of life. And they gnashed on him with their teeth. They didn't want it. Oh, what a sad, sad picture that is. That God was trying his best through the power of the Holy Spirit. It was the Holy Spirit giving Peter the words that would pierce their hearts. And it did go to their heart. What does the word of God say in Hebrews? Stay here, Nancy. But what does the word of God say in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12? That the word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. Piercing, right? Into the dividing of the, of the soul, to the heart. To, and so, see, the working of the Holy Spirit, the word of God, and the power of the Holy Spirit goes to the heart of an individual. And here it says they were cut to the heart. The Holy Spirit used, gave Stephen the words to say, and some of them were not good. Some of them were, were words that would hopefully get them to repent and saying, you stiff-necked, uncircumcised people. Well, you would say, well, he could have used sweeter words. Oh, you lovely men and, and fellows. They weren't lovely men and fellows, were they? They were uncircumcised. They were, they were stiff-necked. And so sometimes the Word of God is a little hard, but the Holy Spirit knows the best way to reach a heart. That's why we depend upon the Holy Spirit. Uh, it depends on who you're preaching to, who you're talking to, that the Holy Spirit gives you the words to speak that will reach that heart. Because you don't know the heart, I don't know the heart, but the Holy Spirit knows the heart. And the Holy Spirit does gives the right words to Stephen to speak, to pierce the heart. And sure enough, sure enough, it touched their heart. It pierced their heart. It cut to their heart. But then came the time of decision, the time of choosing. Will they receive this or will they reject it? And they closed their heart and pushed that word out, pushed the Holy Spirit out, resisted him one more time. 
and they gnashed on him with their teeth. When they resisted love, they became, they became filled with anger and hatred. See, God's love doesn't bring anger and hatred into our lives. God's love and the working of the Holy Spirit brings love for one another in our lives. We begin to care about each other, love one another, in the, and we can only do that by the working of the Holy Spirit in our lives. God doesn't give us the Holy Spirit to bring forth anger and hatred. That's when we resist the working of the Holy Spirit that we can f- be filled with that kind of stuff. And so they became filled with anger and hatred. But... But being full of the, being full of the, but being full of the, Stephen. But they were, they were, they were gnashing their teeth at him. But Stephen being full of the Holy Spirit, looking up intently into heaven, he saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. There's no way in the natural realm that that Stephen could have looked up and saw this vision. There's just no way his natural eyes could have beheld the glory of God in Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father. But he was able to see that because he was full of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit in us. When we're full of the Holy Spirit in us, He can open our eyes to see in the spiritual realm things that we can never be able to see on our own in the natural realm. No natural man could have seen that. None of those counsel who rejected and resisted the working of the Holy Spirit could behold that. But Stephen, a man who was full of the Holy Spirit, was able to have the Holy Spirit open his eyes and behold the glory of God and Jesus. Why does the Holy Spirit reveal that to him? You see, there's a time and a place where wherever we may be, whatever the situation or whatever the circumstance, there is the Holy Spirit in us, giving us what we need for that hour, for that time. Here, these council members were plotting and were about to stone Stephen to death. but And God knew that because their hearts were closed. God did all that he could to reach them. They closed their hearts. And as a result of that, they, they rose up in their righteous anger. And they began to plot to kill Stephen. But Stephen, filled with the Holy Ghost, amidst all their threatenings, amidst, amidst all their wicked plotting and schemes, the Holy Spirit opened Stephen's eyes to say, Stephen... Here is the Father God and Jesus. The Holy Spirit. You see what he did? He opened the eyes of Stephen to see Father God and Jesus. That's his work. That's his purpose in our lives. We get filled with the Holy Spirit. Not so we could speak in tongues. I'm just saying that's good to speak in tongues. But that's not the end all. People think that if I get filled with the Holy Spirit, I speak in tongues and that's it. End of story. No. That, that's a little, that's a little sideline. That's a little, I'm not making light of it. Please understand, I'm not making light of, of, of the ability to speak in tongues. But that is not the purpose. The Holy Spirit comes into our lives to make known the Father and Jesus to us. To make our relationship with them grow, be strengthened, be on fire. That all we care about, all we want to live about, live for, is for Father God, for Jesus, 
for the Word of God, for the empowerment of the Holy Spirit to live the life, to speak the life, to be living epistles in this world. It would be sad if God gave us the Holy Spirit just so we could speak in tongues. I speak in tongues. I encourage everyone to pray in tongues, speak in tongues. It's a pure language. It's a language of speaking with God when we know not how to pray. So I'm not making light of that. I pray we all get filled with the Holy Spirit. But that's not it. That's not the end. That's not the whole thing of being filled with the Holy Spirit. There's so much more. The Holy Spirit, oh, is so wonderful. Who can open eyes and see and look into heaven? And John, remember John when he was on the Isle of Patmos? He said, I was caught up in the Spirit on the Lord's day. Who caught him up? The Holy Spirit of God. And what did the Holy Spirit do? Open John's eyes to wonderful revelations that who can comprehend? But he could not see that in the natural realm. Only by the power working of the Holy Spirit in his life. Be filled. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Ask the Holy Spirit to come into your life and fill you and help you to know God and to know Jesus in a, in a greater new way. Pray that prayer. Your life will absolutely change. I'm telling you, it will be transformed like you can't believe. And he said, Behold, I see heaven opened and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. And what he saw, the Holy Spirit made his mouth open and confess it. And these people and the Sanhedrin that were around him said, You're blaspheming. You're crazy. You can't see that. But Stephen was filled with the Holy Ghost. They weren't. They couldn't see what he saw. They didn't have the Holy Spirit. He did. No one, can, no one can understand what you're experiencing when you have the Holy Spirit unless they have the Holy Spirit. Try to explain to someone that the Spirit of God is ministering to you, speaking to you. They won't comprehend that. What are you talking about? You must be crazy, loony. What are you drinking? What are you eating? But somebody who knows the Holy Spirit, who has experienced the Holy Spirit in their lives, knows. Yeah, man, that's real. I believe you because I know the Holy Spirit does work and move and breathe and speak to me and show me things in the spiritual realm. And crying out with a loud voice, they stopped their ears, their resistance. They didn't want to hear. They didn't want to hear. Oh, I pray that we never stop our ears to hearing the Word of God and to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. That is why every day we need to say, Holy Spirit, I need to hear your voice. Jesus, living word of God, I need to hear your words of truth and life. I need, you are the way, the truth, and the life, Jesus. Your words, who else should we go to? Who else has the words of life, Jesus, but you? Holy Spirit, open my ears to hear. Only if they would have repented. Only it would have been a doorway to blessing. It would have been a doorway to a new world, a new realm, a new life in God. But they stopped their ears. Choices, choices, choices. They chose to stop their ears. But Stephen, they were cut to the heart. And he says, look, I see. Hallelujah. Go with me to Acts chapter 8, verse number 14. Acts 8, verse 14. Now when the the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent them Peter and John, who came down and prayed for them that they might receive the... that they might receive the... 
What did they receive previous to the Holy Spirit? They heard the word of God and they didn't resist. They, because it was the Holy Spirit who was pulling them to Jesus to hear. They heard the word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. When they heard the word of God concerning Jesus, they said, yes, Jesus, come into my life. Be my savior. Be my Lord. Wash me clean. I repent of my sins. Come, I want to be a new creation in Christ. When they received the word of God, they became believers. They trusted Jesus. They looked to the Lord Jesus. And then when they heard that, they sent these apostles down and they prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Why? Why? Wasn't it just good enough that they they were saved, that they called on Jesus and got saved? That's wonderful. We need to do that. We can't go anywhere else. That's step number one. We've got to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, that he went to Calvary's cross, was crucified for my sin, that I repent, I want to live a new life with you, Jesus. I want to follow you. Teach me, guide me, be my Savior and my Lord. Then... We need something. We need someone. We need someone. We need someone. A baby, when a baby is born, he needs someone or she needs someone. You don't take a newborn baby and put it out on the street, do you? It needs someone to nurture it, to keep it warm, to grow it. And so it is with the Holy Spirit in a sense that when we're born again, we need the Holy Spirit in us to to really nurture us and grow us in the Lord that we can know Jesus in greater measure and Father God and be empowered. I'm not saying we're little babies, but Hebrews says, you know, no longer be babes, you know, this and that. Be be mature now. Go on to the meat. And we do that through growth in the Holy Spirit. And so they sent the men. They said, these men have believed on Jesus. Now go, lay hands on them and tell them about the Holy Spirit, that they may receive the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. They knew the difference it made to be filled with the Holy Spirit and not to be filled. Peter loved the Lord, but he denied him three times before he got filled with the Holy Ghost. Once the Holy Spirit came upon Peter, he was a, he still believed Jesus, but now he was a whole new creation. He was like a superhero now. There was a transformation. He wasn't afraid of anybody. Stephen was transformed because now he's preaching to these hard-faced council people and he was not afraid and God showed him the glory of what awaited him as he preached the gospel. God, the Holy Spirit, tells us, don't be afraid of the faces of men. Look at Jesus for the Son of God for who he is and the glory of God. See what awaits you beyond this this realm. There's a kingdom up there that we're going to. Beyond this life, there's a living, there's a kingdom that is real. Stephen didn't have a fear of death. Once he saw that, he says, I'm out of here now. Come on, start throwing the rocks. He didn't say that, you know, but what I'm saying is, once you see that when you get a glimpse of heaven, there's nothing on this earth compares. And I'm not, we need to stay here. We need to live and work and labor while it's, you know, while it's, while, while we can. When the day comes, we'll go to be with the Lord. And, and, the, and you know, the Lord, oh, I, I, I know this to be true. My grandmother, God bless her, she was 95 years old. She was a believer in the Lord. And she was 95 years old. And I was at her bedside when, when she died, the night before she died. And she well, no, that, she actually passed away. And she was, she was in bed and she was, she was unconscious. 
And all of a sudden, a smile came on her face. She sat up and she went like this and she said, Jesus. And then she laid back down and, and she was gone. And how? what happened there? Somehow in the supernatural, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, gave her a vision like Stephen. It was her time to go. And when it's that time, I believe the Holy Spirit just opens things up and we're, we're out of there like that. And so, and I told you the story with my uncle. You've heard that story. Where he, he passed away on an operating table of a heart attack. And he saw a, a person shaped like a door calling him. And he refused to go to that voice. And he came back. He, God gave him another a chance there. And he asked me, what was that? And I told him it was Jesus calling you, calling you. The Holy Spirit works in us in supernatural ways to reveal Jesus, to real, reveal the love of the Father, and to get us to live with courage and boldness for the Lord. But they prayed for them, prayed for them. We need to pray for our family members. We need to pray for those who, who, who believe on the Lord, that they get filled, that we get filled. First, we've got to pray for ourselves, that we get filled daily with the Holy Ghost. Daily, fill me, refresh me, renew me, Holy Spirit. Fill me. And, and pray for our family members, that if they do know Jesus, well, they can't get filled with the Holy Spirit unless they accept Jesus as Christ as Savior and Lord. So we need to pray for their salvation. But if they do know Jesus, we need to pray that they get filled with the Holy Spirit because He will make a difference in their lives. He will open their eyes to, and, and you'll see that they'll become a new, whole new, a whole new creation. And, and, and they'll be on fire for the Lord. And it says, verse number 16, for as yet, he, the Holy Spirit, he had not fallen on any of them. They were baptized only in the name of the Lord Jesus. Go up a little bit. And baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. That's one way, one form of a person receiving the Holy Spirit is by people, lay, persons, uh, preachers or whoever, anyone, laying hands on people and praying. Let them receive the Holy Spirit. But they've got to be willing. A person has to be willing and wanting the Holy Spirit. I can pray all day long, and unless your heart is open and willing and ready and desirous for the Holy Spirit, it's like it's like hitting on a rock. But if you open the door and we agree in prayer, the Holy Spirit comes in in a whole new realm and a whole new way. And then they lay their hands on them and they receive the Holy Spirit. And when Simon saw that the Holy Spirit was given through the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money. This Simon, he, he wasn't really a believer. He, was a, you know, he wasn't a believer, but he saw something. When the apostles laid hands on the believers and they received the Holy Spirit, Simon saw something. Now, he wasn't filled. Simon was not filled with the Holy Spirit, so he wasn't seeing in the supernatural. He wasn't seeing, but he saw an outward sign that they were filled with the Holy Spirit. In this case, they were speaking in tongues, and so he saw them, something happened, and he says, I want that power, here's some money. You can't buy the Holy Ghost, and you can't sell the Holy Ghost. Don't try to make money on selling the Holy Ghost. Put $5 in the basket and come to me and I'll fill you with the Holy Ghost. 
It doesn't work that way. We don't make merchandise of God. And God's Holy Spirit is not for sale. He comes to hearts who accept Christ Jesus as Savior and Lord. They want that word of God in their lives. And then the Holy Spirit is freely given to them by God. Not at any cost. Don't let any man tell you, you buy my book and read it and you'll get filled with the Holy Ghost. I don't need to buy your book to get filled with the Holy Ghost. I just need to call on Father God, fill me with the Holy Ghost. I will not make merchandise of the Word of God. So he says, give me this power that whomever I lay hands on may receive the Holy Ghost. But Peter said to him, may your silver perish with you. Wow. Because you have thought that the gift of God may be purchased with money. It's a gift of God. The Holy Spirit is a gift of God to you, to you, to me. A gift. Don't resist the gift of God. If I came to your house bearing a gift and said, Here, my brother, here's a gift for you. What are you going to do? Take it and throw it down and say, I don't want this thing. Get away. You receive that gift, right? The Holy Spirit is a gift of God to us. To empower us, to enable us to live for the Lord. It's a wonderful thing. And I'm going to end here. But in the new year, I'm going to share with you next Sunday what God has shown me for us as a church. But it begins by us receiving the gift of God in our life. You don't have, it's not a ritual. It's not a magical formula or magical words. It's just saying, Jesus, Father, fill me and fill me with your Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit, and fill me that I might live for Jesus, that I may know Father God and Jesus in ways that I've never known him before. My prayer is always, Father, I want to know you more today than I did yesterday. God, God, you know, knowing God isn't just bound by how many chapters or pages or books we read. It's how our heart hungers for Him. How our heart desires Him. The more we desire God, the more He reveals Himself to us. He, he just opens us, us up in, in just wonderful ways. Don't resist love. Embrace love. Embrace Father God's love. Embrace the, His gift to us of his Holy Spirit. So stand with me this morning.